Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine. And uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years and she has done an amazing job um also did you know that meals more comes in a digital format you can download it on your phone read it wherever you're at so hey be sure to check them out mealsmore.com and uh you know hey tell them ty sent you i'd be very grateful mealsmore.com Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Everyday Mealmanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans, and uh, and today I got a, a special guest with me, a good friend, a longtime friend, uh, my buddy Wes Taylor. Wes, good to have you, my friend. Hey, Ty, it is awesome to be with you. It's been a little while since we've sat down and visited, so I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. I was, I was wanting to do this. Uh, I wish we could have done this in person. I, I keep wanting to get down there to southern Utah where you're hanging out right now, and that would have been great, but you know what? I just uh, was too anxious to get you on and, and chat with you. So, well, good. We appreciate we, it. We've got the technology to make this just absolutely enjoyable. So it's it's good to be here. Yeah. So West, I was uh, me and Sky were talking because uh, trying to figure out when I met you, and I, I I can't really remember the first time I met you because we just hung out a lot back in the day um you knew my wife when she was a kid yeah 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 she, she talks about hanging out down at your place there and you know their uh your famous little new year's ride you guys all used to do down there and come yeah. down and hang out and, and she loved that and um so we was sharing some memories of that kind of stuff but i think the first time i wrote with you was somewhere down there in saint george i'm sure hanging i out think out so there. i was trying to i was kind of trying to think of that too when we was getting together and i was like man when we you know, kind of first got together, right? And we were both just kind of getting into this journey, you know, this this equine horse mule journey that we're both on. And so it's been, yeah, I think it was just a ride. Maybe it's even a valley of fire. I remember going down there and you might've been on a group down there, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, it, it's it been a, it's been a fun, fun journey, just being able to hang out with you over the years and ride with you. And, and, uh, you're always you're always just such a ball full of energy, you know. You you're, you're fun to be around. You're a, you're a really uplifting guy, and and that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on my show, Wes, is because you know you, you bring a spirit of uh, uh, positivity, and, and yeah. I like that. You know, the other well, thing I I remember, uh, you know, uh, I remember a specific time you and I we went to uh, out to the roost, robbers roost. Which yep. is a we could talk a lot about Robert. Oh boy, Roost. you are you are that the Robert's Roost uh, that expert. Place. So, but I remember, you know, you just mentioned, you know, kind of our horsemanship journeys kind of began similar times, and I remember you and I were the only ones that took a little time to do a little bit of groundwork before we got on. And I remember, uh, you know, my father-in-law Larry kind of giving me he kind of give me crap. He's like, "What are you and Wes doing, you weirdos out there doing your groundwork?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it, old man." Yeah, he give me crap too. So good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that that just prompted that memory, you know, of those years ago. But uh, anyways, West, um, you know what I want to start out with is maybe you could just take the audience and me 
because I've never really asked you about this otherwise about, you know, your horsemanship and your, your, uh, this journey in, in your life, maybe take us way back. Uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know anything about your childhood and, and your upbringing and then how, how did horses come into your life and, and just kind of, let's just start there and see where we, where we go. Awesome. Sound good. Awesome. Yeah. That'll let's do. We'll take a little, little memory lane visit and a little talk here. But the question I get, I get asked a lot, Ty, or, or people maybe just might assume it's like, Oh, well, you've always been in horses, right? You know, or you've always been, you know, this lifestyle, right? And, and that's, a, it, it's something that, that hasn't always been that way. So no, this horsemanship journey has been just a recent journey in the last, you know, 15 years. But before that, so even growing up as a, as a young kid, we didn't have horses. I wasn't in a ranching, farming, rural community at all. You know, we, I kind of grew up in uh, the Utah County area up there in, in central Utah and Gosh, I went to uh, four different high schools. Yeah, I was kind of a, a little bit of a, not too much of a problem kid, but but I got into alcohol pretty early. And that that really caused me some trouble through, gosh, for, from the time I was, you know, 13 until I was 30, I, I really had some alcohol issues. But, and that, that caused me a lot of problems in moving around. So I was always in a different school. And, and uh, so I didn't have horses, didn't have that type of lifestyle there. And, and just kind of got into the workforce. I got married really young. I, I got married my junior year of high school. You know, this was, you know, I was 17. My wife was 16. You know, she was pregnant. We, you know, I don't want to say we had to get married, but that was kind of the, you know, the mentality at the time and the culture that we were in was, oh, okay, well, you're getting married. You know, that's how you solve this. And not that we didn't want to, but we also didn't really give it any evaluation. We were just like, oh man, here we are. Okay. We're you know, so we got married uh, May of our junior year in high school. That's wow. You know, when I think back on that, I'm like, wow, the things I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, I had no idea what love was at that point. I had no idea how to be a husband or a father. I mean, oh my gosh, talk about just jump in the deep end with weights on your feet and try to survive. But that's, that's kind of how that got started. So I got right into the workforce, 17 years old. I always wanted to be grown up, Ty. I just, I, I never did enjoy being a kid. Like I just always wanted to be an adult. That's, I just always aspired to, I just want to be an adult. And so, you know, look what I, look how I created that right now. I'm, I'm 17 and married and I got a baby coming. I'm like, wow, welcome to adulthood, dude. Here you go. You know, cowboy up. <laughs> it, it's funny you say that Wes, because as I think of my friends and and which one of my friends would be the most kid like to hang out with and take us back to when we were younger i would pick you to hang out with <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah. I, did, I had i hung out i had some fun hangouts man i did ah looking back i mean there's a lot of crazy adventurous things i'm honestly ty i'm just i'm super happy i'm still alive i mean there are some things that i shouldn't have lived through and there were some things that i should have been in a whole lot more trouble than i got into in society you know i I don't know, you know, things just kind of worked out how they did. And so, yeah, I got right into working at, at 17 and just nose down, man, shoulders in, lean in, dig deep, go hard. And, and I just worked. That was, that's, that was my go-to for everything. And so I overdid it. Like, like a lot of guys do, you know, you can just get really buried in your work and it's a, it's a great place to relieve stress and to be, and it's also a great place to hide uh, from reality and hide from some of your responsibilities. And I, you know, I did a lot of that too. 
so I had a lot of different jobs. I, I worked in construction. I was a, a welder, you know, the, you know, the commercial big trash cans that you see at like the supermarket or, you know, the big bins that you see out there. I mean, I was the guy that welded those things together. And man, I remember working in that welding shop. It just felt like slave labor, man. I got so introduced to really a dominant labor force. I mean, I was just a tool in that shop. It was just get in there and weld, dude. Don't, you know, don't come out, just weld and go. And so I got really accustomed to hard work. So hard work and just getting things done and getting through tough things become a part of kind of who I, how I defined and created myself. And so that went on until, well, gosh, I'm still working. I mean, that's still something I enjoy doing is, is being productive and creating things, but I didn't really get into horses until I was, until I was nearly 40, just maybe, maybe 38 ish or, you know, 35, somewhere in that range. But my daughter, right. Kids, my uh, daughter, Shaley, she wanted to have a horse and she was about eight years old and, and she just begged and begged for a horse. And I was like, man, I don't know nothing about horses. I don't, geez, kid, I don't know. You know, anyway, you know how little girls and horses and uh, she won, she just kept after me. And, and so that's kind of how I got into horses. And I just become the kind of the rodeo dad you know she wanted to do the 4-h things and those clubs and so we went and got a tie out this is embarrassing but i'm gonna share it anyway i went to go buy a horse from a neighbor so a guy that lived down the road my first horse with my daughter so she's like eight nine years old and you know we get talking around the neighborhood and we find out this guy's got a horse for sale and i remember walking down there like all right we're gonna go down and go talk to this guy about this horse dude i didn't even take a halter and a lead rope like I just walked up to this guy, like we're talking and we're going to negotiate by this horse. And, and he's just looking at me like, <laughs> you kind of need something to lead this horse home. You know? I was like, Oh yeah. Like what? And he was like, I, I guess you can take one of my halter and lead ropes. I was like, Oh sweet. Okay. <laughs> looking back on that now, I'm like, Oh my gosh, the things you don't know, you don't know, you know, but I, I show up to buy a horse and I don't even have a halter. I, I, that, that's how much I knew about horses. I, that literally how much I knew and that so that that's kind of where it got started um hanging out just kind of being the dad you know and helping my daughter out with the horses and and kind of got things going so that's that's a little bit of the kind of the background of how I got to the horse point yeah well that's 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 pretty fun though and it's amazing what those kids can get us to do though I swear my my daughter's pushed me out of my comfort zone more than anybody else can you know, and it's funny in, in those positions, you know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be the dad, right? You're supposed to know, you're yeah. supposed to know stuff because you're dad. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah, you might've lost some dad cred right there. <laughs> you know? yeah. Dad knows everything. Oh, maybe he doesn't. You know, oh. and, uh, yeah. Your kids can push you like that. But so, uh, so at what point did you kind of get interested in, in the horses? So you was kind of rodeo dad, 4-H dad for a while. And, and uh, which translates to the labor boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I, I got really good at being, you know, the stable boy. I got good at being the, the, the driver guy. I got good at this being the stall cleaner. I got good at being the groomer of the horse. And, and as things went on, I, uh, my daughter was competing. I also kind of found out that, man, I also get to be, you know, a personal inspiration coach here. You know, my daughter's going through some hard things, learning how to you know, to go and compete. And she took the competition so seriously. And so when, you know, she wouldn't win or would have problems with her horse, you know, it was this 
just this mental tornado you know she would just be so frustrated and so upset and and now i'm finding myself in this role of like oh my gosh well <clears throat> i don't know how to talk you through this um uh you know so i, I had to just really kind of get in tune with that and be like well what does this mean and what do i want her to learn from this you know and it because <clears throat> it, it wasn't that we wanted to go be the the best or go win the medals or or you know win the trophies or, or be that but we also wanted to kind of learn and grow. And I, I was seeing that this experience, this relationship that her and I was having with horses was opening up a very, very special relationship between her and I that only existed with the horses. You know, when we got with the horses and was doing that type of relationship together, it was way different than uh, dad, daughter, like at school or even dad, daughter home or dad, daughter in the, in the community. This was a different space that her and I were, we're working in to help her with her own self-awareness and her self-improvement and her, her self-confidence and, and her self-talk, you know, how does she talk to herself about the competition and the, the failure of the competition? And I remember she, she would get just really beat up on herself, you know, really upset. And you know, this is like a 10 year old girl doing the ribbon pull on the goat, you know, it's like, it's just this little thing right from the adult you're looking at it and you're like oh this is just this little you know 30 second event in your life here but to her that was the world like her entire existence was that 30 second goat tail goat ribbon pull run you know and and so when that when she'd you know fall off of her horse or trip running and whatever all the things that happened man we got to have some pretty serious life discussions and i remember one of the best things that kind of come out of all of that was She'd get up really upset with herself and, and we got talking and this was kind of the rule we put into place. I was like, all right, Shaley, when you have something bad like that, or, you know, you're not happy with how the performance went, I'm going to give you how many minutes, how many minutes do you want to just wallow in it? How many, how long do you want it to just be bad and horrible and yucky? And how long do you want to sit and talk bad to yourself? Like you just, how, how, how big is that window? I said, what I don't want that window to do is to extend into all areas of your life. So let's pick a time. How how long do you want that that yucky, horrible feeling to last? And she was, so once she got to major, she's like, well, I don't know, not very long. I go, good, because <laughs> we've got to shorten this up because I can't I can't be around <laughs> you for three more days with you being all pissed off about this goat tail pull run that you had. So how long, what are we going to do here? And she goes, how about five minutes? We're like, dude, five minutes sounds awesome. All right. So when you get done with your run, when I know you're not happy, I'm going to stay away for five minutes. You you and your horse, you go wherever you want. You just let it out. You just say how horrible you are and how bad you sucked at that. And if you want to blame your horse, you can even blame your horse. You can tell him, man, you did a crappy job. You didn't line me up like you were supposed to or whatever. I'm like You just go get all your negative talk out. But when you see me walking up, know that your time is up. And we're going to start talking about good things. And we're going to start talking about positive things. And we're going to shift all that energy into what we're going to do next. We're going to, we're going to leave it alone. We're going to leave it right there. Man, that was one of the best tools her and I had. I, I mean, I'm, I'm smiling, remembering back on it. Cause I was like, man, it was, it was really hard for me to have those conversations with her at first. Cause I was like, it's not that big a deal, but I had to put the perspective to her. It was to her. That was the life moment. That was this. You know, that was everything. And so her and I, to this day, still have a beautiful relationship that we can interact and talk with. And and Horses and Rodeo built that, absolutely built that between her and I. That is, uh, that's really awesome, West. 
That's really cool. That reminds me. So when I was in college, uh, I was rodeoing for Louis Fields. And you you know Louis here. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was a great man. He passed away a few years back. But he had the five-minute rule also. Hmm. Same thing you're talking about. But his five-minute rule also applied to him ripping our butts. <laughs> <laughs> he, got to, he got to give you the feedback, too. Like, we got five minutes of hell coming right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not even joking. He was – He we got immediate – I remember my first college rodeo, West. I come out there. I won both rounds. I won the average, the whole thing. I'm a, I'm a freshman, brand-new kid in college, and I come and I just thought I just knocked the ball out of the park, right? And I just won everything. He comes up to me. And just proceeds to rip me a new one, man. Tell me all the things that I should have done. And of course, I'm a, you know, a sassy uh, freshman in college. And I said, well, I, well, I won the rodeo, didn't I? And right. he says, well, did you score a hundred points? No. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no. You know, it was like both my Bronx is somewhere around 79, 80 points, you know, so not that great. And, and he said, did you score hundred? No, sir. And then as he was walking away, he said, well, there's work to be done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. But, but he applied that five minute rule to coaching too. But uh, I, I remember that, you know, and I still do, um, you know, and when I get upset and this is the other thing too, we can talk about, um, you know, a lot of people will look at horsemen like you and I, and, and think that uh, we always got our poop in our group, you know, mm. We don't, no, I get, I'm a human. I get frustrated too. I get pissed off, but it's how, it's how we respond to that emotion that makes the difference. I think, you know, when I get upset and it happens, it's a simple walk away, take a breath, that five minutes you just talked about, and it may not be five minutes. It may, it's usually less for me, but, uh, but walk away and take a breath, come back and, and try again if you need to. and. And, um, you know, sometimes that resetting time, just emotionally, it does so much for your, for your mind to get things together. And and I got a lot of students that are, so I got this master class thing going on West. We're working on, um, you know, it's basically, it's a 40 week course that these people are working through their, with their horses and their mules and stuff. And, and there's some people that get pretty frustrated, like you're talking about, like your daughter and like I was talking about and, they get so upset about a moment in time. And that's one thing I want to share with them is, you know what, that is just a moment in time. It it doesn't define you, you know, it doesn't define, you know, your quality as a teacher or anything. It's just a moment in time. Let's learn from it, move on. And uh, I think your five minute advice is that is gold, I, man. I, I like it. It, it, it worked well. And, and like you said, it, it gets shorter, you know, the better you get at that or the more you allow yourself that, that space, that time just to, to cool off or whatever, just to have kind of that neutral space. You know, with my daughter, I noticed that at first it took five minutes and when you had to shut it down, I was like, Hey, your five minutes are up girl. You told me five minutes, you, you leave it here. Well, we're walking over to the trailer. We're not talking about this. And so kind of had to get that barrier in place, but over time, she just got really good at, at, making that adjustment should come out of the arena you know i'd see her kind of go off and pout and do her thing and she'd be a little cranky and for long i'd see her leading her horse heading back over to the trailer i'd be like oh she's done already that wasn't five minutes all right you know so we we can kind of we, we program ourselves right we're, this is you know we can we'll, i'm sure we'll talk about some science and some neurochemistry but what's going on there is we're 
know, we can, we can get hardwired to all kinds of behaviors, yeah. negative behavior, positive behavior on horses, mules, you know, same thing. They get very hardwired in, in one response, one reaction to a, to a stimulus. And then you know, without change, that just gets more and more hardwired. So, but the way we were going to kind of shorten that window up, we're, we're changing that. And like yourself, you know, you, you don't need the whole five minutes anymore. You just know that, all right, I got five if I need it, but man, I, I got this together in a couple of minutes. I'm ready to, let's move back on with life. Let's go back at it. Yeah. You know, uh, you and I both have a mentor and a friend, uh, Steve Peters, you know, yeah. a, a, amazing guy. And, and, uh, I've invited him on the show, but, uh, he responded, he says, I don't know what I'd have to say about mules. I don't know what I'd add. I'm like, come on, man, just come on the show. But anyways, <laughs> I've you'll asked, have to give I've a crap for me. I've asked him some mule questions too. And I kind of got the same. Yeah, I kind of got yeah. the same, like, yes. But uh, yeah, what a, that guy, I'll tell you, he, he talked about pivotal, uh, you know, moments in time or, or a trajectory change in my, my horse career, my horse field. He was an absolute key key marker key point in in and just in how i met him how how we got together and started talking i mean it was man we could we could talk about that if you like that, that was that yeah. was an awesome awesome setup yeah we'll we'll get into that right. a bunch Wes, because that's a me you know you and i both have learned a lot from him and and i haven't got to spend uh any time with him like you have at all um you know all my learning from him has been you know watching his uh his courses and his virtual clinics and reading his books and videos and all those things. But, but, but what I wanted to mention about him was, you know, he speaks a lot on self-regulating yeah, and how critical that is. And, and basically that process, you teaching your daughter, take that five. And like I learned, take that five. Yeah. You, you, you learn to self-regulate better, but here's, here's a comment that I wanted to make that might prompt some comments from you is don't you think it's important that you allow yourself, like you, it's okay, it's okay to be upset. I think there's a lot of guilt in horsemanship, especially there's something weird about it. Maybe it's just because we're, you know, the horse has always been such a, a, a important creature in the human race, you know, for forever. Right. Um, that there's just some different type of bond that folks have with horses that causes them to feel guilty for being upset with their work. And then I, but I think, I guess what I'm trying to say West is, Sometimes that guilt for feeling frustrated gets in the way of getting over it, like like letting it go. You know, you, you picking sure. up what I'm putting down, and maybe for I'm sure. rambling here. For sure, no, that's that's you know, as soon as we 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 shut that emotion down and and we don't give it a space to to feel it. You know, we don't need to embrace it and run with it necessarily. But can I just pause and just feel? this this thing i'm anger i'm okay i'm just going to feel it instead of label it or blame it or shame it or, or or say where it come from you know it's just hey it's in me it's here let me just breathe let's just let's just feel this and then can i make that self-regulation because that's that's a different to self-regulate versus upregulate right if we if we take that anger and we upregulate with it and we start blaming either ourselves or maybe we blame the horse or maybe we blame our friend or neighbor, or whatever, you know, that that's going to upregulate. Now we're going to start getting, you know, anger is going to get fed with some more adrenaline and it's going to start kind of building, but having that space to self-regulate, it just diffuses it. You know, it gives it some space. You just feel it, allow it. Okay. <sighs> and then just put it at ease. You know, it just, it, it kind of disarms it when you just let it be rather than fuel it. 
That's great. Absolutely. I, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, there's a little bit of a, well, there's this mentality and I grew up with it. I mean, I've, I've been blessed to be around this culture my whole life, you know, uh, buckaroo culture, you know, cowboy culture and all that, but you know, uh, something you're kind of taught from, you know, you know, you're taught to be tough. Right. And that's important. And, you know, I'm tough, you know, I'm, I'm tough. Some buck, I, I, I want to be tough. Right. But the, the thing is, is being tough and, and getting through these problems doesn't mean that you ignore other things. An example for you, and you'll appreciate this is okay. Talk when I was talking about me rodeoing, right. Riding Bronx. Right. And you remember those days. Um, okay. I remember my, uh, back to my coach, Louis Fields. Okay. I remember something he told me, um, rather he taught us a lesson through another example. Uh, there's this kid at, at practice. Okay. And, um, he was in a way kind of bragging about how he's never been scared of a horse, you know, any Bronx or something. Right. Somehow Louis caught wind of that. Louis had ears just like, they just perked up. <laughs> he he could hear anything you said. Like he just perk up and and uh, and he came over and he said, "You tell me you're not scared of, of of these bucking horses." And the kid, I'm not gonna say his name. He says, "No, I ain't scared." And 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 Louis said with a few extra words, he said, "Well, you're either stupid or you're a liar." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the kid looked at him like, "Huh." I don't want to be either one of those. <laughs> what are you what are you talking about? And and Louis proceeded to give us a lesson. He said, the moment you stop being scared of these bucking horses, when you climb down that chute and you're not scared, or you got a little bit of adrenaline, you know, some of these other chemicals mm -hmm. we can talk about them kind of pumping through you. When that's done, you need to hang it up. Yeah. Because you're not going to take it serious enough to get something done. You need to feel these emotions are important. They, yeah. they, they will cause you as a human to respect this animal. When you climb down the chute, this horse can kill you. Do you understand that? And if you stop getting that motor running where you can, you can let your guard down, you know, so yeah. these chemicals that we have, they're, they're important in our relationships with everything, including horses. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember him saying that, and I was at a, I was at a rodeo in Santa and that kind of burned in my head and that, I was at a rodeo in Santa Quinn and, um, Santa Quinn, Utah, for the listeners that don't know. Um, and I remember being on the back of the chutes there and I had nothing. Like I had no motor going. I had no yeah. adrenaline. Uh-oh. I uh -oh. was just feeling like I, I'm not bothered a bit. Like it's just not the day. And that same, just a few moments later, I remember looking up at the, the mountains there. You know the mountains I'm talking about. Yeah. The Wasatch, oh, yeah. you know, beautiful yep. mountains. And thinking, I'd rather be camping. <laughs> you know, I don't be camping, but that I just remembered that, you know, back to, we're trying to talk about these motions, these chemicals, you know, that there was no, there was no fear at all. And I, and I knew in my career, I knew that, Hey, you have to have your motor kind of pumping for some of these things. My point to sharing this, and I want your comments on this West is, is I, I, I try to tell my students that it's okay to feel these things. It's okay when you get in there and you're working on trying to pick up a horse's foot that is prone to kick your head off. Hey, have some respect for those feet. Understand that, yeah, a pop from those feet can put you down. You know, um, as you know, horses' yeah. heads are hard. You know, uh, <laughs> parts of their body, 
even on accident, the, you you may just fall off on accident and could get stepped on by these creatures and it could it could kill you. So it's okay yeah. to feel these things. It'll it'll cause you to respect that animal and to do things that you should be doing so that you can, you know, go on with that. And um there's just a little mentality that sometimes you gotta just like you 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 just can't be, you know, scared. You can't you can't feel these feelings. And, and I also try to tell my students, Wes, and I want your comments on this as well, that, you know, how we treat our own emotions is a mirror to how we're going to treat the animal's emotions. So, you know, if I see an animal that's scared and, and frightened or feeling endangered, maybe they're into the flight, maybe they're into the fight, maybe they've even gotten into the freeze. I respect that. And I want to work them from that point. I'm not going to say, hey, horse, mule, you can't be scared. How dare you be scared of me? Hide that. No, I, I yeah. respect that emotion from the animal just as much as I respect it from people. I want to hear your thoughts on on that, West. Man, that's 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 a deep thought because um, that is like I, you know you're talking. I'm just thinking back of the experiences that I've had with horses and and people too. But if if we don't have that fear, and it's not so much that it's maybe a fear of the the animal you know it's a fear of what might happen like that 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 feels more relatable of because if without that fear then i, I think you become very complacent very non-attentive non-aware of of what you're doing or you're you're not as aware of the environment and the settings and the stimulus that that you would be if you were like whoa you know bad things could happen right here i'm, I'm putting myself in a a risky position a risky place am I aware of what I'm risking? Am I aware of what I'm doing here? Without that awareness, yeah, you're just lucky. When's it going to happen? That's that's where I would say that would come in. Without without that, you know, something's going to happen somewhere sometime that you're just you're just not even going to be aware of and, and you're going to get caught, you know, without that fear, without that awareness of of what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing it. That that'd be my take on you're just going to end up getting hurt. And, and same thing with people. And then if, if we're trying to force that, or like you're saying, it's like, and I, I love, you know, the, this work that I've done with horses, it's, it's made a, a much better human out of me and, and I'm much better with humans as well. So, but like taking that example, you know, with a horse and, you know, whatever you're asking them to, let's just say, get in a horse trailer. That's a common, common space that we run into some issues with horses and people, you know, getting them loaded in a trailer. You know, the horse goes up to the trailer and the, the, they're cautious, they're concerned, they're anxious, they're worried, their internal system is upregulated, you know, and if we try to, if we try to force that, or we just try to meet that with more pressure, right, we're just going to kind of start compounding that energy, it's going to start internally building and building and building and the more pressure we put on and the more resistance that the the, the animal might have, you know, we're, we're just building, we're building an explosion, we're building a breakdown of some sort. Same thing with people, you know, I've learned that with, with my spouse, mostly, you know, the, the people you're closest to in life are the ones that you really experience the most with. And, you know, something that I'm learning now, you know, I'm in my, I'm 53 now. And, you know, my wife and I, we've been married 35 years. This is a long journey of trying to understand how to work with each other and how to process each other and when to apply pressure, when to release pressure. So I've really learned that that's the more aware I am of the, energy or the you know what's going on with this other entity that i'm working with whether it's my spouse my children my grandchildren a horse my dog you know my neighbor 
am I aware of what they are feeling like? You know, am I that aware and connected that that I'm working with that rather than trying to work against it? And that's that's been a big shift. I didn't always start that way, Ty. I mean, the horse was in the beginning for me. Boy, it was. I'm not gonna lie, it was a tug of war. <laughs> there was there was a lot of a lot of pressure that I didn't know how not to do. You know, it was just how I was moving and what I was doing was was just a lot of pressure. And that caused a lot of breakdowns. You know, it 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 caused a lot of a lot of things to happen, both with the horses and in my life. And and you know, I had to learn how not to do that, how to just slow this down. Just hang on a minute here. Let's let's not build an explosion. Let's diffuse one. Let's 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 let some pressure out of this thing. Let's slow it down. Good stuff. I like your I like your thoughts on awareness. You know, awareness is is so key you got to pay attention, you know, yeah. and you, and you need to be able to pay attention by not paying attention. What I mean by that yeah. is yeah. You, you want this awareness to so, and this is only something I've experienced in moments of time West. I'm not, I'm not here preaching to everybody saying that, that I've got this cause I don't, but it's something that I have experienced moments of time where I'm aware without having to be so micro focused on, on yeah. pieces. It's like, you know, uh, I really respect Tom Dorrance's work and and I just have tried to study everything I can about that man. I really wish I could have met him. I didn't get right. to meet him, but he says, you know, you need to be able to, to, to focus on the whole horse and a single hair at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what does that yeah, what mean? What does that mean? How, <laughs> yeah, how, do you, how do you figure that out? You uh, know, it's like, wow. Okay. So let's take that class. You know, where do I sign yeah, up? When do we yeah. do this? this? You know, Thursdays at two, I'd, I'd love to figure this out. Exactly. It's, it's tough, but, but, you know, the more I, I kind of chew on it, you know, I've had glimpses of time where I could see that, you know, you're focused on doing a task and you could just plug in, plug in any task you want, whatever you yeah. mentioned, trailer loading it could be a turnaround. It could be stops. It could be, you know, you and I hopping up on a rock, you know, we've done that, you know yeah. what I mean? Whatever, plug in any task and you're trying to get this task done, but at the same time you can, you can notice you know, where, where the horses or the mule is, is, is thinking, you know, what, what's on their mind. You're, you know, you're trying to load in that trailer, but you notice that ear is tipped over here and that eyeballs looking over here. And you can see that you have not set things up for that trailer to be desirable. You, you, you see that, yep. but sometimes we get so stuck on the task that we're, we are destination driven that we kind of miss miss what's going on there so i like those thoughts those are some good thoughts um go ahead well, i was gonna <clears throat> i was gonna cough i was trying to work that cough out not have it be just let it out <laughs> uh to, to kind of hang with with awareness here and that's this is kind of new for me with the horses in the last few years that i've really been focusing more on this awareness and and, and you know you, you hear there's a lot of a lot of self-improvement work out in the in the space you know out in the world right now to, to work on self and as i look at all any of those programs and i've been involved in a lot one thing i i do ty i do a lot of self-work man I, I go to a lot of self-improvement retreats and seminars and you know i teach some and i facilitate others and you know others i'm just there as a student you know i'm there to soak it up and and but the the number one first thing that in all of those programs awareness like you have got to be aware of whatever it is you're you're wanting to work on you know it's 
where your awareness goes, your energy flows. And and th- so if you're, you know, what are you thinking about? What's what's the resistance or what is it about you that you're wanting to improve or to change? Or what is it about your horse that you're wanting to improve and change? And, you know, is your horse aware of you and are they watching you? And there's just this whole awareness has really been a, a rabbit hole that I've gone down in the last, probably about the last five years. And, and I'm finding it extremely valuable. Just one little example, like, can I be aware of my heartbeat? You know, can I, am I, can I be aware that, can I be quiet? Can I sit quietly and can I just feel my heartbeat inside my body? For a long time, I couldn't. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun question to ask yourself, you know, can I be quiet enough to even feel the most important organ in my body that produces all of my life force energy, everything that sustains me. Am I even aware of that feeling? You know, that, I mean, that question was posed to me at a, one of these retreats I went to and I was like, nope, can't feel my heartbeat. Nope. I've, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know, but I kind of took that on. I was like, all right, there's some self-work. There's some things for me to do. I want to feel that. Can I tune in enough? Can I quiet myself? Can I be aware enough of me to pay attention to my own heartbeat. Dude, that's been, that's such a valuable tool now. So now what that means to me, now that I can be aware of it, I can sit and feel my heartbeat. And then depending on the things that I think about, I can feel my heart rate increase or I can feel it decrease just by the thoughts, my awareness. What am I thinking about? So I don't know. I think you know this, or if you don't, we can talk about that too. But I've, I've been enjoying uh, learning uh, jujitsu, martial art, and competing at that martial art. I tell you what, if I even think in my mind, like right now, I can feel my heart rate just increased. I just spoke it out loud. I even think about going to a competition and competing at a competition. My heart rate climbs. I can feel it going. I'm cranking. The adrenaline's starting to go. And this is the competition that's, you know, 60 days from now. But as soon as I sign up and like put my credit card in and pay for it, boom, my heart rate is just tinging. I'm like, whew, all right, I got to manage this. Come on, bring it down. So that's been a a great space for me in in learning jujitsu to really learn how to be aware. Because you got to be aware of a lot in jujitsu, a lot of, I mean, somebody's trying to kill you. And and then you got to just like, I got to be aware and stay calm and breathe. You know, while somebody's trying to choke the life out of you. It's just this dynamic battle between all of this, this high energy adrenaline, and then also this Zen master meditation. It, what an incredible roller coaster to go on. But that awareness. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Oh, yeah, man. Hey, you just took the perfect rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> this is oh, this is great. Uh, that That's the corner I really wanted you to take. I was about to say a comment about awareness, um, really starting within ourselves. Like if we truly want to be aware of the horse, we got to be aware of ourselves and you talking about your heartbeat. That is something that I have tried to like get, get to people because it's so critical. Um, you know, I can't remember. I'm really bad with, uh, like remembering facts, like, you know, so many feet, so many years, whatever, you know, I loved history, but I can never remember the year. You know what I mean? Here's, here's, here's throw the word ish on the end of it. And there's your gold. You're You're good. good. Yeah. Exactly. So I can't remember what it was, but I read something somewhere and it's probably something that Steve put out there, but you know, that the horse can feel your heartbeat 
so many feet away. And I don't remember the fact. Okay. But, you know, but, but they can, and I have, I have experimented with that on my own, just like what you said. Oh yeah. You can get, you can, you can start thinking something to have your heartbeat up or down or whatever, but controlling that, um, controlling yourself, if you want to, you know, and control is, is one of those, maybe an odd word, but because of my lack of vocabulary, I'll use it. But if you want to control your horse to be able to do this maneuver, do this thing, if you want that, you have to be able to control yourself. You have to be able to be aware of yourself. What are what are you doing that that is affecting that animal's behavior? If you come in there, like you're saying, with your heart pumping, and and you're all up and and you got all this this call it energy or whatever you want to call it, and that horse is just over there, just you know, innocently munching on his hay. Just he's just yeah. in his, you know, totally, you know, that that parasympathetic nervous system just chilling. He's just having a good day. And then all of a sudden you come in there, pump, 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 pump. Well, well no wonder he just scooted off a little bit. Oh, my, my yeah. horse doesn't like me. No, it ain't that he don't like you or that he likes you. It's just that your energy come in there and you bumped him. You didn't have to touch him. Yeah. And um, you know, that that internal self, uh it does so much to affect that that relationship with your horse. Well, we us us humans, we read that same thing with each other. For we sure. just do it more at a subconscious level. You know, we're not aware that we're kind of trying to read this new person. So we can take that, you know, the horse in the stall eating and you know, you coming out to catch them as kind of the same example. Even when you meet somebody new and, and you're just having those first engagements with each other, you know, your subconscious is trying to read that autonomic system of this other person, you're trying to, at, at a, this is subconsciously. So it's not for me anyway, it's not as conscious. It's, it's just kind of happening. And you know, some people you can really resonate with right off the bat. You're just like, Oh man. And you can just really talk and really get into a vibe. And then other people it's like, yeah, gotta go. You know, I'm, this has been nice. Good to meet you. And you know, just kind of shake hands or whatever. But that's this, this energetic read, this feel that we're trying to feel with each other. And I, I, I hold this in my horse program that your horse is asking, but one question constantly internally, this horse, the horse is asking this one question, am I safe? So this is an energetic question, not a conscious question. The horse can't really ask that consciously, but it's holding that energy inside of, am I safe? And so as you start walking up to come and you know catch this horse or whatever you're going to do with that horse for that day, and you're walking up and your heart rate is increasing with every step. As you get closer, your heart rate's going up. Your breathing's also changing. You know, you're, you're breathing kind of shorter and a little shallower. Well, your horse is resonating with all of that. It's just reading it at, at this subconscious level. And so as soon as it kind of feels that upbeat in your heart rate, the, the tighter respiration, your, your muscle tone gets a little tighter as we're anxious. You know, we walk just a little bit different when we're kind of tight, we're upregulated, we're bracing for fight flight, you know, we're just up that little bit. Our horses read every bit of that. And so then it's that question of, am I safe is now questioned. It's not known anymore. So now it is a question. Okay. So now the horse is going to be even more aware of you, like watching, feeling, and if we're not engaging and we're not creating this equal awareness with each other, you know, Hey, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. We have this reciprocity back and forth. 
that's the quickest way for, for these animals to decide, nope, not safe, time to leave, got to go. And then those horses get called, you know, hard to catch. Right. Yeah. Or or whatever. Yeah. Like I say, oh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to ride today. <laughs> no, he's not having that thought that he doesn't want to go for a ride today. He's just saying he don't want to be with you right now. Like your energy is it's just up. He can't match that. You know, they don't want to match with a high stress energy that feels very unsafe. They want to match with something very calm that answers that question. I am safe. You know, the two different feelings. You know, and as we can all take a look at people in our lives. You know people that you're safe with, that you can sit and talk with, that you feel okay. And then you also know there's people you can't do that with. They're going to run right downtown and go tell everybody, or they're going to do whatever. You know, you know you're not safe to say those things to some people. And it's not that you sat and negotiated that. It's like, all right, Ty, I feel good, but you know, I'm not going to tell you these things. Yeah, but that's just a feeling. It's just kind of a vibe you get as you're engaging. You just or you learn to over time. You, know, you might not learn that right off the bat. You might say something to somebody and then they do go blab it all over town and you're like, oh, I need to learn right here. When I feel somebody like that, I don't share things like this. You know, and that's just, that's just learning. That's just life. There's no, it's not right or wrong. This is just humanity. And this is how we all get along. We just have to negotiate these things out. It takes time. It takes experiences. We're not perfect at it. We're going to screw it up. Yeah, we just give good. ourselves that five minute and keep going. All right, five minutes. I screwed that up. I told so and so that vulnerable thing, and they told somebody else, and now I heard it, you know, through three other people, and wished I wouldn't have said that. Well, there's some knowledge. Yeah, you know, uh, we're always. I like how you said subconscious, um, and, and and then you use another word that I like reciprocity. Yeah. So and there there's a subconscious reciprocity with 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 us. Yes. And with our animals. And I like that. That's some good vocabulary, Wes, because whether we want to or not, whether we're consciously doing it, we are building relationships all the time. Like everything we do, I think that's one of the reasons why we're here on earth is build relationships. Absolutely. Why the hell is human or animal? Yeah, human or animal. And, and, you know, like you said about they get labeled hard to catch. Well, we don't realize that when we, we step in that corral, we brought that energy that was uncomfortable where they don't feel safe. And we do that too many times. Well, now we get to the gate and the animal's headed to the back 40. Yep. You know, it, is it that they're hard to catch? Well, if we took a few steps back originally, maybe they weren't. But now we have built this feeling that they get when we approach the scene now they have built to the point where, yeah, they're, they don't want it. They don't feel comfortable being caught and we label it as bad to catch. And I guess the human point of view, that's correct. Yep. It's not wrong. He is yeah. hard to catch. Yeah. He's hard to catch. You're not wrong. Yeah. But yep. in his mind, he's just says, Hey, I really don't feel comfortable when you show up to town here. You know, I, and so and what, what does a prey animal do when they don't feel comfortable? They're gone. They or leave any, anywhere to find, more comfortable place. That's what they're, yep, they're going to go seek a comfortable place. And that's going to be, you know, away from whatever is creating the discomfort. Yeah. And so, and then that becomes a, a, a wired network. You know, if we reinforce that enough times, meaning we keep doing the same thing and you know, we keep pinning them in the back corner of the krill, and right. We've done the dance. We've kind of got the horse pinned in the corner and we're like, man, I don't know why we have to go through this every time we we'll have to catch this horse, but 
I'm, once I get him pinned, then, then he's okay. I can walk in and catch him. Well, we're just reinforcing that network every time that this is how it's going to be. And then that just becomes the horse's neural network. They're just wired that way now. And so then they do become hard to catch because they've just been reinforced and reinforced that that's how it gets done. They tolerate to a point. And as people do the same thing, if we don't break this down into smaller pieces and just keep coming at it with awareness and this, this calmness or the safety, that's okay. Safety is safety is a big word in my vocabulary tie. And I, and it is with everybody in a sense, but I've, when it really comes down to the science of, of how we humans operate and the, the, the horses, the mules, safety, it, it, everything to me hinges on safety. We can define what safety means in different settings and different places, but safety is like the bottom thing that I'm always looking at of like when things aren't working, it's a safety issue. Whether it's the human or the horse, it's a safety issue. The human doesn't feel safe, then that's the issue. We got we got to help with that. How do we get you feeling safer? And you probably worked with this too. You got you know clients, people you're working with. And one of my favorite things, I'll be in the round pen kind of coaching somebody. I'm standing behind them. I got my hands on their shoulders, you know, and I'm trying to just kind of help them line up or get more connected with their horse. And I'll have my hands on their shoulders so I can kind of turn them a little bit. And and I'll tell them, I'll be like, okay, now just just relax. And they're like, I am. And I'm like, tell your body. <laughs> and they're just rigid, man. They are just like, in, they are just so tight. They're ready to go. I'm like, relax. I am, Wes. I am. Like, well, tell your body. Take a big breath. And then I can feel them. You know, their shoulders will come down a little bit. And I'm like, okay, there you go. Let's just, let's focus on you for a minute here. Let's, can you even tell that you're not breathing? Can you tell that you're holding your breath? Give me a big breath. Let me hear you breathe. Oh, you know, I can kind of get them loosened up. I'm like, all right, now let's take a look at your horse. You know, we got to get you softening here, get you aware of what you're doing or get you feeling safer. Tell your body. I like that. Tell your body. Tell your body. <laughs> Tell your body. You know, if, and if we approach our animals with that, it's really no different than if, if, if you approach me with that kind of intensity, if you approach me with, with that intensity of, you know, with that expression in your body, you wouldn't even have to tell me anything. I would feel like, Oh no. The, I mean, I either, either this guy just had a big emergency because maybe you have that feeling of fear, the fear or the, the intenseness, or maybe it's a, uh, an aggressive intenseness that might even turn me real off where I'm like, yeah. Oh, this dude's about to come up here and he, he's going to, he's wanting to kick my butt. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, I like what you said, you know, we're always, we're always building this this feeling, and the, this might be sad. <laughs> One of the first things that came to my mind, Wes, was was like some family gatherings, like Thanksgiving dinner right. <laughs> or Christmas parties. You know, when you know half the families doesn't even want to hang out. You know, right. they don't they don't want. But why? It's not that necessarily a family member did something so critically bad or rude or you know, punched you in the face or whatever, but, you know, every time you go to maybe a, this family deal or that, that deal or this gathering with, with these people, it doesn't have to be family. It could be with whatever your writing group, your, you know, your jujitsu group, whatever it is. If you get this feeling every time you're with them, that it's going to wear on you. And, um, it's the same thing with the horses and our mules, you know, how how are we going at this? I got a student I'm helping right now, and she has a mule that uh, 
is is a pretty critical uh bolter um if you want to give him a label um i mean he's he's kind of just freaking dares off and rips the leader up out of your hand super yeah. fun yeah <laughs> right? yeah super fun yeah. and uh as i'm coaching her i'm trying to help her okay one of the hardest things to teach her that, and this goes against a lot of the old, the old, uh, you know, how great, great granddaddy did. It, okay. Is, Oh, you, you can't, you can't leave it like that. So, so my example West is this. Okay. So this mule takes off. Yep. Rips the leader up out of her hand picture blisters, you know, yeah. Okay. This sucks. This sucks. It does. But now you're, you're pissed or hurt or both or all the above. <laughs> and okay. Great, great granddaddy says, Oh, you can't, you can't quit now. You got to go in there and you got to finish this and you got to wrap this thing up because yes, where you leave it, it's where you're going to begin. And, and we have the, the, some of the science we can talk about that does back up what great, great granddaddy said. However, my point here is, is, is this lady or me or you, your eye, whatever, coming back in and just, you know, with all this emotion built up, are we actually, are we actually going to help this animal make some progress when we're in that frame, that state of emotion, that state of mind, are we actually going to do enough good to actually be effective to work with this mule? The average person, probably not. You got to be a pretty good hand to be able to take that beating and then come back and actually try to help that horse, that mule through that yeah. scenario. Yeah. So I see both points. Great, great granddaddy says, get in there and you better finish this because, you know, the mule is going to, and they are, granddaddy's right, isn't he? he this mule is going to get, he's going to bolt away. He's going to go over there. He's going to get a big old hit of dopamine yep. when he's far away from you. And he's going to be like, oh yeah, I feel way better not being by that human. Yep. Okay. That is correct. But at the same rate, what I'm getting at is, how effective are we actually going to be if we can't control ourselves, this awareness that you're speaking of? If we can't control that, I think we're sometimes better off to take that five that we're talking about. Yeah. Just, just, you'd be better off just to start over, you know? Yeah. Maybe even come back tomorrow. What's your thoughts on a, uh, on a scenario like that, West? A hundred percent. If the more aware we can be, and, and, and I've, I want to bring this you know into myself too in the sense that because known scientifically kind of what happened so let's just talk on that a little bit about so this yeah this horse mule pulls away from you and and yeah goes to the other end of the round pen or the arena or whatever the pasture and so the horse they're leaving because they're upregulated stressed you know cautious that question of safety is a definite no you know they are not feeling safe so they they bolt and run off and leave and they go over there and then they get that hit of dopamine, you know, they're, they're far enough away. Their autonomic system comes down a little bit. The dopamine and serotonin is released. That animal just created a neural network. When you feel stress at this level, do this behavior to get this reward. You know, the reward comes from behavior. So the animal is just going to reward itself for fleeing somewhere that it didn't feel safe to a place that it does feel safe. So from the scientific standpoint, that works for mother nature, for sure. You know, you flee further faster for relief. That's, that's a great answer. But now as we as a human come back into that, and if we go marching over there and we're all upregulated and we're all 
all of that, right? We got the adrenaline pumping. We just spit the dirt out of our mouth, you know, and we got drug a little bit and we're kind of pissed and maybe the neighbors saw or our friends were there or whatever. And it's like, oh, I'm going to go over there. Man, I got to end on a win. You know, I got to get a win. Grandpa said so. You can't leave it like that. You can't let that animal win. So we go marching over there and, you know, we, we gather the lead rope up and we're, we're, we're at a level, you know, nine ourselves, we're all cranked up. And so then here's this animal again going, oh, what did I do last time? Let's see. Last time I felt pressure like this and I felt anxiety and I felt unsafe. Oh, that's right. I leave. And so they're just going to be thinking of leaving sooner. Like, let's get to the reward even sooner. Let's not give this three minutes of being cranky with each other. I'll just leave now. Let's just fast forward this. And they're going to just try pulling away again. Right. That, so that just reinforces that network. And then the really bad part, Ty, as you know, once we reinforce this behavior two, three, five, 19 times, now we've got a really hardwired network within that animal and within the human of this behavior brings these results. Now it's just science. As soon as that animal feels upregulated, boom, exit. That They're not cognitively looking and going, you know, I think you can, you'll probably calm down before you lose it right now, Wes. I'm going to hang with you a little longer. You know, they're not looking at you cognitively at that. They're just like, here comes the pressure. I feel my system come up. My heart rate's increasing. My head's up. I'm looking for the exit. There it is. I'm out of here. I'll go get my dopamine hit over there because I know I don't get it hanging out with you. I don't get it here. So it's over there. It's just science. They're just going for where it feels good. And sometimes that looks like dragging your ass along behind them. Like, come with me. Let's go feel good over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and the hard part is, is, you know, is, you know, it's like good news and bad news. Okay, student. Good news is we can fix this. The bad news is uh, we'll never fix this. And they go, what are you talking about? And just what you said, you know, we've built this neural network, these dendrites, you know, it, I, I, I explain the dendrites as the actual, your actual physical memories in your brain. They are there. They're real things. They're, there are parts of your body just as real as your finger is. Yep. And you've built those. They're there. So they are going, uh, that, that will be in that mind forever um, until they start, you know, degenerated, you know, degenerating their brain. Right. And when they're old, maybe they lose that, whatever. I, and they say, oh, well, that sucks. I'm like, okay, well, the good news is, how about we re, we build some some new dendrite, new neural pathways that will override this? What does that look like? You know, and it could look like all kinds of different things for different scenarios. One of the things that in this scenario we're talking about, Wes, and we can move on after this, I suppose, but... Um, is in this scenario, okay, when you feel the tension rising between you and the horse or the mule, whatever this is, you when you feel that, the best thing you can do is like Steve Peter says, is hit the pause button right there. Hit the pause button. And 100%. maybe the, the, the animal just went up. They just went up a little bit. They're kind of ticking into that sympathetic a little bit. Hit the pause button. Take a breath both you and the animal come back down and let it okay we just did we just did a little bit of a foundation install for a new dendrite that says yeah. hey wait a minute i just felt a little bit of nervousness a little bit and i i i could just pause and i could just come down you know rather than having to freaking run off 
And okay, is this going to take a while? Yeah, you bet. This is going to take a while. Because the other thing I try to explain to him, and, and you can dive into this too, is and sometimes these really traumatic things. And I tell folks, okay, it might not seem super traumatic to you that your meal just ran off with you or whatever, but to the animal, that was a life or death situation in that Absolutely. moment. They thought yeah. they were going to die. Absolutely. And it's hard for us to picture that because you're like, really? I was just trying to do some groundwork. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. They That's thought they were going to die. That's probably one of the biggest realities that I don't feel we really put into perspective as horse owners, as, as just as, as people interacting and working with horses. And I'll, I'll share and talk with, with, with my people, you know, I might be in the round pen with them or they're in the round pen with their horse. And I'll be like, one of you, well, the horse, everything is a threat until proven otherwise. Right. I mean, they're just kind of on that, that, that guard. And I'll kind of ask them in the sense that, you know, there's two of you here in the round pen. One of you really feels and believes like you could die today. And then the other one isn't really aware of that. Which, which who's who? Who really feels like they could absolutely die in the next, you know, 60 seconds? I mean, it's your horse. Like, that's the space that they're living in is, am I safe? Yes, no. No, it's just a thumbs up, thumbs down. If they're feeling that sense of safety, they can engage with what's going on. Without that sense of safety, I'm going to die. But who in reality is really more likely to die in that round pen if things go bad? It's a human. Sure. Ask me how ask me how I know. You know, this my <laughs> ask me how I know how you can almost die in a round pen. Who is really at risk? It's the human. But we're not behaving that way. We're not actually putting that context into our relationship with the horse. The horse's internal system feels that way. But you know, you get in a wreck with a horse, it's very unlikely the horse is going to die. I mean, that's just doesn't that's not what happens really. It's it's the human that gets hurt we are the ones that are really at risk. So trying to get that into a comparison or get that into a space that you can both feel safe. And that's, I mean, that's ultimately what we want to get to is where we're both feeling safe. Heck yeah. And that's a good segue West into talking about, you know, you went through a, a, a freaking wicked wreck, um, wicked wreck. And, and it, you're an inspiration um, to me and to a lot of people how you can go through something that was a bad deal. Um, yeah. Something that bad come out of it and you're still in the game. You you're still doing what you love, but, but that's easy to say. It's hard to do. Uh, so talking about this, you know, what we were just talking about uh, building new neural pathways to override this uh, trauma, fear, uh, all these, all these emotions, whatever they might be, building this new neuro pathway has been a incredible journey for you, and I want to dive into that. So, oh, man, let's uh, yeah. let's hear let's hear this story, and then more let's... importantly than the story is how did you get back to how you are right now? Uh, yeah, how do you how do you how do you get past it? But well, let's do let's we'll jump in and let's put some context into this story. So, at the time. I'm at the ranch in Fremont. I'm barely, barely allowing myself to even be referred to as a horse trainer. Now, Ty, I, I held that title in my mind as, as a very elusive, 
this kind of woo woo ah ah type person, you know, that that was this would be a horse whisperer, kind of a horse trainer, you know, somebody that really understood horses. That was way outside of my mentality at the time. So this was uh, eight nine years ago. I was messing around with some of my horses, my Mustangs, learning. Right, I'm just going through this this massive learning curve. And I start getting a few people saying, gosh, Wes, would you work with my horse? You know, it sort of looked like what you're doing with yours. And could you work with mine? And I had a local rancher there in the area, uh, you know, make that offer. He's like, hey, I got to, you know, I got to go gather cows this fall. You know, it, it's, August, it's, it's August time right now, you know, and he's asking me if I could put a few rides on this horse that he just got, make sure that she's safe and it's okay. You know, he's got to go gather cows and just doesn't have the time to do it himself, right? Those are those are the clients I really like to worry about. Well, I just don't have time to do this. Like me neither. <laughs> anyway, he's like, I just don't have time to to work with this horse. So will you do that? I'm like, sure. And uh, you know, I was learning and I was eager to learn. So man, as many horses as I could kind of interact with, like I wanted to let me play with this. I want to test some things out. So I go and pick this horse up and bring her back to my place and I don't really have a program. I don't have a sequence. I don't know what I don't know. I don't have any safety protocols. I don't know anything about science at this point. I'm just, I'm just cowboying it. You know, I'm just like, dude, man, my life's feeling okay. I'm, I'm living out here at the ranch and I'm starting this whole new career, you know, with horses. I'm trying to figure this out. And, and so I'm taking this opportunity. And anyway, I got this horse there for a few days and I'm just kind of messing around with her and, you know, doing little, what little groundwork that I know at the time. And, man, things are just feeling good. Like, okay, let's, so I, I tell my wife, I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get on that horse today, come down to the round pen. And I just, as a safety thought in my mind, just always kind of put that into place when I was working with the horse or doing something that might have something happen. I was like, you know, it's probably better to have somebody around. And I, I kind of kid around now and I say, it's always good to have somebody be able to describe to the doctor what happened. You know, so they can put your stuff back together. So if somebody can well, actually describe what happened. That that's a benefit. <laughs> so I was like, honey, just come down. I said, take a few pictures. You know, we'll send them to the owner of the horse. You know, progress. We're looking good. You know, so she says, okay. Uh, so she comes down to the round pen, and I've got this horse saddled up. I've been messing around, and you know, it's time to get in the saddle. And I get in the saddle. We're walking around. Things are just feeling okay. You know, I'm not noticing anything. Feels good. And this was at a time, um, I don't wear spurs anymore. I did wear spurs at this time, and I don't really have, I'm not against spurs by any means, but I just, I just don't need them for what I do with horses now. I'll just put it that way. And, uh, but I had spurs on. And so we're just walking this horse around. And I'm like, well, any cowboy worth himself is going to want to trot and rope to go do cows. You know, I can't tell him, Oh yeah, I checked her out at the walk, but that's all you only do the walks. So like, all right, time to turn this up. Let's, let's get to the trot. So I give her a little squeeze and kind of, you know, and after that added energy and boy, she goes right into the trot. She goes about three strides. And all I feel is an eruption underneath me. And she just comes straight up. Now I've, I don't fancy myself a bucking horse rider like yourself. That, that you, know, you know that world. You you competed in it. You really did it. I've rode a few horses and just luckily kind of made it till they stopped bucking and felt that was okay for me. Like, okay, whew, made it. So when she blew up, I mean, it wasn't a space I was comfortable in at all. Like when that happened, I was like, danger, holy cow, what's happening? 
And it wasn't this little kind of rocking bucking like I was kind of used to. This comes straight up. Like, I mean, it, I just felt the wind go past my face. It felt like as she went up. She come back down and I just kind of froze and just stood there. She stood there and I was like, whoa, what was that? I mean, I was like literally asking the question, what was that? Like, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel like she was, you know, she wasn't tight or jittery or kind of flinchy or sketchy or nothing. She just blew up and I asked my wife, said, did you see anything? Like, what happened? She's like, I don't know. Like, well, I didn't, me neither. All right. Well, maybe it was just a thing. Well, so we walked around a little bit, you know, did a couple little figure eights. And like, all right, well, feels good. Let's go back up to that trot. So I asked a little squeeze, give her a little cluck. We go right up into the trot. Again, three strides. Boom, blows up again. And this time I'm kind of ready, but yet still surprised. And she just blows up straight right underneath me. I just, she rockets up. I'm going up in the air with her. We go up. She comes back down, but she didn't stop this time. And I could kind of feel like we're going for a ride. This is happening. She comes back down. My wife's yelling, you know, get off. And in my mind, I'm thinking, good idea, but how, you know, like, ah, and, and as you know, if you can, if you can kind of time your, your get off, if you kind of can time getting bucked off, you can land way easier than when you totally come out of the saddle without timing, right? <laughs> you just kind of flop. So in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, yeah, get off. But you know, it's happening fast. She comes back down. She loads up again and she goes up again and it's just straight up. And I feel the back of my saddle slide through my legs. I mean, I feel the saddle and I'm like, oh man, super out of shape. This is a rag doll experience now. I am, I have nothing. And I'm, I'm holding onto the front of the saddle as she goes up. And so now my, my arms, you, know, you can picture me kind of Superman and in the air, like I'm, I'm flying forward, I'm flying up. I've got a hold of the top, the front of the saddle, she's up. So the saddle seat is like kind of at my face. We're up in the air. She comes back down and just kind of coils, you know, just ducks her head way down underneath her front feet. And then she's swinging back up for that next explosion. Well, when she bends her body down and I'm holding onto the front of the saddle, it catapults me forward. So now I'm like horizontal Superman flying through the air, her head goes down and she comes back up with that, that next round, the back of her head caught me square on my nose and the left side of my face. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. Nothing. But she, she caught me right there. Definitely just, I mean, that was it. I, I don't even remember that. What I do remember is laying there in my round pen in the sand, face down, not able to breathe because I've got so much blood in a pool that my face is in. And I'm kind of like underwater is what it feels like when I, I kind of get my senses and I'm like, and I, I get my hands and I sit myself up and I'm like, I'm in shock. I'm like, what, what just happened? And I've just, you know, there's just blood just coming out of my face. And then I look on the ground and there's, there's a puddle of blood on the ground and I'm like, man super not good i mean i don't even know what's happening i just don't even know i'm like i just kind of come to and I'm, I'm there's blood everywhere my wife is running in the round pen at this time she's peeling her shirt off because all she sees is just blood just going everywhere 
she takes her shirt off and she's trying to like, you know, kind of mash it on my face. You know, like your instinct is just stop the red stuff. You know, it's just everywhere. Just stop. And so she's trying to kind of just put that pressure on my face. My neighbor that lives, you know, half a mile away happened to just look over to my round pen. And when you see two thirds of a quarter horse above a six foot solid panel fence, you know, something ain't right. Right. She's looking over and she can see two thirds of this horse straight up in the air with me holding on to it. You know, that's what she saw. And so she dropped what she was doing and come running. Met my wife there at the round pen about time. She just kind of getting me gathered up and uh, I'm conscious kind of lucid, but I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what's happening. And so we start walking up to the house and I'm just telling them, I'm like, you know, I just need to go up to the house for a minute. Let's, let's get this, you know, the blood had kind of stopped. I couldn't feel anything just in shock. I said, let's just get me up to the house. I need to sit down for a minute, man. That, that really rung my bell. Like, I don't know. Something happened. We don't know. So we start walking. I got my arm around both of them. My son's there now. He's holding my, I got one arm around my son, the other arm around my wife. They're just kind of help guide me to the house. And as we're walking along, I start taking my boots off. Like I'm and then trying to kick my boots off. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, it's just, well, I don't know. It's like, you're taking your boots off. Why are you taking your boots off? Like, well, just take me up to the house. I don't know. I, mean, I was just unconscious of what I was even doing. And so then things got really weird. She's like, something's, something's not right. She's like, get an ambulance. You know, let's, let's just we need to start up up the scale on the importance of this well when you live out in a rural community as you're familiar with you know an ambulance is you don't have anybody sitting in the station ready to go do that you know they got to tone out a crew you, you know the guys are out in the field working you know whatever they're doing putting the crops up they got to you know get out of the baler and drive down to the fire station get in the ambulance and come out you know, it can take a minute to get to you well it's a 15 minute drive from my place to the clinic and i said you know what put me in the car let's go to the clinic call him tell him i'm coming she calls tells him we're coming that's kind of all i remember was getting in the car i remember feeling so much pressure like in my face and the, the nasal cavity of, of my nose and i was just felt all this pressure in my head and i i'll share this as, as good advice what not to do if you have a, a facial injury but i got in the car and i was like man if i could just kind of clear some of this out of my nose i could i think i could breathe right this pressure would go away and so i took that shirt that was around my face and i just kind of tried to blow my nose to just yeah man there's just so much pressure it's just hurting my head and my face well as i went to kind of blow my nose and put that pressure what we didn't know was how much damage was was on the inside but when i put that pressure i just pushed blood everywhere into my face up into my brain i mean i just put more pressure up in there it just there was nowhere for that to come out of my body so it just went internal it just put things in a lot of play and it it, it kind of knocked me out i don't remember anything after that of just asking to blow my nose so my wife drives me to the clinic they meet us out in the parking lot with a wheelchair get me in a wheelchair wheel me inside take some quick x-rays and they're like, no, you got to go to a trauma center. What's going on inside of your head is beyond what we can handle here. 
so they told they got the ambulance they come to the clinic pick me up it's an hour drive to the nearest hospital i remember waking up tight in the ambulance and we're about from where the crew you know, we're about halfway to the hospital and they're working to keep my airway open you know they got the suction cup thing uh, down my throat they're kind of you know just keep sucking the blood out of my throat they're packing trying to get things in my nose to stop the bleeding they're trying to assess kind of what's going on and i remember waking up in the ambulance i can hear the sirens i can see the emt lady leaning over me you know working on me i can see in her eye like i can see the emotion in her eye that she wasn't scared but this wasn't good you know she was very professional is what i'm saying but i could feel just an energy that this isn't good and as i kind of have that consciousness i'm 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 awake and i'm asking myself i don't i'm kind of like seeing myself there and I, I know i'm in the ambulance i can visually you know see the stuff but i don't feel my body i don't feel what they're doing to me i can hear what they're doing i can kind of see what they're doing but i don't feel it and i had a very surreal moment right there and that the thought come into my mind are you dead or are you alive i didn't know the answer i couldn't cognitively come up with the answer like i i couldn't tell and then another question come right after that one are your relationships in order And I just kind of paused with that. And I was like, I can't tell if I'm alive or dead. And then the next important thing is, are my relationships in order? And then the next phrase came, because there is no time. So those were three things I had in my mind. I couldn't tell if I was alive or dead. I needed to answer the question, are my relationships in order? Because there is no time. And then I was gone again. The next thing I wake up to is two hospitals later. I didn't know, but they took me to the Richfield Hospital, which was an hour from the ranch. They wheeled me in there, did another something scan of my head and said, nope, we can't help him either. He needs a helicopter. He's got to get to a trauma center in Salt Lake City. No helicopters were available. Ever, there was other people having life moments and you know they were busy. And so they just sent me in an ambulance, you know, whatever, just go to Provo. He's got to make it to Provo. He's got to get there. They can handle him there. We can't do anything with him in Richfield. So I wake up in the Provo hospital after they had done the surgery. And I remember I was laying there in that hospital bed by myself. The beeping of the hospital equipment. I can hear voices out in the hallway. You know, the nurse staff people out in the hallway a little bit right there. I remember just waking up in that hospital and kind of having the realization of what happened. I was like, wow. Wow, you almost died, dude. Like, so all these stories started going through my mind of like, yeah, you should get out of this horse thing. This this isn't going to work out well for you. You're not very good at what it is you think you like to do. You You just got yourself killed almost because at this point i could tell i was alive like i had enough awareness like all right i didn't die 
but I also had all these stories going on about, you should just go back to business. You should just go back to chasing a dollar. Just go, go do something, man. Go, go do anything besides this horse thing. You're just not cut out for it. This just isn't your world. You were dumb to even think of doing this. Like, come on, West. This, you're just, this isn't you. It's not your space. I remember laying there and I had another surreal moment at this dark hour in the hospital. And I knew I had a decision to make. Like I could feel it in my body. Like the first thing you got to do, West, are you in or are you out with the horses? You got to answer that question first. And then we'll we'll take life on after that. But this is the first one that's got to be answered. Are you in or are you out? I remember laying there, Ty, and just thinking to myself of how unhappy I was with my life before when I was just chasing a dollar to try to buy happiness or to try to buy the the peace and joy that I wanted to have in life. Dude, I wasn't happy. But as I look back, the time that I had with the horses, the time that I was learning about me, the time I was doing you know, my self-work and trying to figure me out and trying to be okay with who I was as a person, man, that's when I felt happy. That's when I felt good. That's when I felt a value to myself. So I'm laying there in the hospital going, do I want to give that up? Do I want to give up the only place that I really felt like I found some joy and some happiness in my life? Or do I want to, I want to give that up because this thing happened? And I was like, no, I don't. I'm not giving that up. So I made a quick, I just made a decision. Man, I am in with the horses. I'm doing this. I don't know how things are going to change. Something's got to change. I don't know. I'll figure it out, but I'm in. I'm not going back to money. I'm not going back to trying to buy my happiness. Because that was a belief that I had before. You know, I just, you'd be good enough at business or you have enough money, you have enough toys, you know, you do enough vacations, you'll be happy. But I had learned that that wasn't true. I felt this happiness, you know, working with the horses and trying to figure this out. So they're in the hospital bed, first decision, I'm in, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm with the horses. Then the next phrase kind of come into my mind. I, I just had this, this question come into my mind or this, this statement that said, the story that you tell about what just happened will forever change your life. What's your story? Oh man, now I'm like laying there going, all right, I'm choosing in, but now I got to, what's my story? What's my story about what just happened? You know, this is like the spiritual message, Ty. I don't know how to tell you. It's, you know, I didn't see a vision or I didn't, you know, I didn't hear voices or anything. I just had this, this question just resonating in my mind of like, what is your story? Because the story you tell is going to dictate your future. Either way, it wasn't saying pick a story about horses. It was just saying the story you tell yourself about what happened will anchor and dictate what happens in the future. Man, so I'm laying, I was like, okay, I got to come up with a story. What's my story? What is my story? What am I going to tell about what happened? So this is the story that I crafted and I come up with laying there in the hospital bed by myself. Machines beeping. And I was like, all right. I'm in with the horses. I'm going to do this. If I'm going to be in with the horses, if I'm going to be good with horses, I need to have a much higher level of intuition. I need to have a much calmer sense about myself. I need to be more in tune with me. I need to be more in tune with the animals. I need 
you know, I needed all these things. I was like, I needed everything that caused me to get where I was to change. You know, I was doing things kind of too hard, too fast, too much. Like, I need to slow down. I need to know what's happening. I need to understand what's going on. Like, I need to know what is going on with me and what's going on with the horses. I need to be more intuitive. I need to be softer. I need to be quieter. I need to be more observant. I need to be more aware. Like, these are all the things that are going through my mind. And so I'm going through all this. I'm like, okay, well, my story is, that's what I want. I want this intuitiveness, this softness, this quietness, this observation, this awareness, this ability to connect. I need a brain surgery. I need to have my brain changed so that I can be that way. Because I wasn't that way. I was very kind of hardcore, dust and sweat, and, you know, let's get it done, blisters. I don't care. A little bit of blood, fine. Get over it. You know, quit your crying. Let's go. You know, I was kind of that guy. And that wasn't working. That that got me in the hospital. And so I'm thinking, I need this brain surgery. I need to change how I think. But I can't walk into any brain surgeon's office and be like, okay, doctor guy, I want to be more intuitive. I'd like to be more pleasant to be around. I'd like to be softer with my engagement with people. I'd like to have a deeper sense of my emotions. I'd like to be more aware of life, right? What doctor is going to be like, oh, perfect. That'll cost you $37,000. We can schedule you in uh, three weeks. Let's do this, right? They don't do that. They don't offer those kind of operations. So the story <laughs> I told myself, Ty, there was only one entity that could provide that operation. And that was the horse. So that event, that incident that happened in my round pen was the horse performing that surgery on me, bringing me to the depths of my soul, to the awareness, the awakening of who and what I can be as a person. So that's the story I tell, is that I had a brain surgery performed by a horse that brought me to the space that I can now be who I am today. And, and that intuition was spot on. The story I decided to tell myself absolutely changed my life from that moment forward. I don't even call it an accident, Ty, if you've noticed. I don't refer to it as an accident. I don't think there are any accidents. I think everything in our world, in our reality, happens for a reason. Our job as a human is to find the learning in it so that we can move beyond it. If we don't find the learning in it, It'll just kind of keep circling around again and again and again. But when we can find the learning in it, so it's not an accident. That thing happened in that round pen for a reason. And I, for me, I found the learning in it. I found what I wanted to learn in it. But life is fragile. You don't have time to fix your relationships. They are what they are in this now moment. There is no future. Are your relationships in order? Man, that burns into my soul, Ty. That is something, that's a question I hold with me all the time. Are my relationships in order with my wife, with my kids? And sometimes they're not. I'm not saying they have, they're, they're perfect, but I just want to be aware of what they are. If they're not working, I want to be aware of that. Okay, it's not working as good as it could. Okay, that's okay. Let's just be with that. What can I do to get it to where it is working better? So that, uh, that's kind of what happened. I made that recovery in the hospital. I come home. I had a miraculous recovery. I mean, I healed up fast. And I hold that that I was in the right mindset. 
I wasn't in some horrible accident that 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 happened to me. I had an experience that was for me. And, and man, my healing was just so fast. I mean, I was back going. The doctor had me on, you know, 60 days, not, not being on a horse. Boy, that 59th day. And I checked in and he was like, you're good to go. And then that 60th day, I'm not going to lie. That first ride, one of the most intense mental things I've ever done in my life was to put my foot in a stirrup and swing back on a horse. And I had an awesome Mustang that, that I did this first ride on. And he, he really helped me out. He was super calm. His name's Sheriff. Uh, he's done some really cool things with a lot of people, but he was, he was a Mustang I had in training. I had him for a competition, actually one of the Mustang makeovers. And so I was, I was getting on to do this ride and I got in the saddle and I know he could feel on my heart rate had to have been through the roof, dude. I mean, I it had to have been just probably could hear it for a mile around. You could hear my heart beating. But I try to just breathe and be calm. And I was like, that same thing. I'm asking him to walk. All right, here we go. I'm asking for this movement. I'm engaging the motor system. Here we go. But the last time I did that ended me up in, you know, I almost died. So here I am repeating that exact same scenario. Took a deep breath. I asked him to walk. He took a few steps. Oh, I exhaled. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. And then I think that Mustang just knew. He gave me a little jitterbug step. He just did kind of a little, <laughs> and like kind of psyched me out, did a little flinch. Dude, I died again. And I died right there in my body again. I was just like, <gasps> and then he just calmly walked off. I was like, oh my God, you know, he was kind of like, dude, get it out of your system let go of that and i did that was the only time i felt any hesitation was that one moment and once it was gone i've never felt it again i i don't know how to explain what type of a life journey that was but it was impactful it changed it changed who i am well that's a great that's Thanks. a great message Wes. you need Whew. to you need to get all that in a in a book, man. Oh my gosh, my heart's racing right now just talking about it. Like I can feel myself just being a little tingly. But no, so part of that, I mean, part of the healing process of of any of these traumas is is talking about it the way you are in a positive light. There's a lot of people that revisit trauma over and over in a negative light. Yeah, but the way you just told that story was uplifting you know and and i think that's a big part of of that of, of healing any of that is is talking about it and you know you've done something that is pretty rare west you found you found the lesson you found the good you found the positivity in a really crappy situation and you've brought forth uh the blessings of it and that is incredible yeah. and and if if more people could and i don't know i'm i'm no i'm no preacher to sit here and tell them how to do it. I don't, I don't know, but I, I do have an idea and an inkling that the way you just told that story helps you along. And the more times you tell it, the better, the, the more, the more healed you'll get. And, it, and other people, you know, it's healing. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that horse sheriff and uh, you've had some good horses. Uh, I think my favorite horse that you ever had was Norman. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Norman. Dude, he Norman. taught me he so cool, much. Dude. Yeah. That dude was badass. That dude, he checked me. 
Like, you, he checked me on a few things. I was like, dude, I'm I'm pulling the no, we're not doing this button. I'm <laughs> I'm tapping, dude. He was so bold in the things that he did, and and that's kind of you know when I were getting into you know kind of the rock hop and climbing around, and that dude he loved it. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, you know that that horse was was better than any mule in that rough country oh. you know, a lot of people ask well do you have to have mules to ride in this stuff no i've seen some dang good horses too i've seen some <laughs> dang good horses you know i'm no i'm not biased you know but um you know horses they are incredible teachers mules they're incredible teachers you know and uh you just shared a heck of a story man um well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I can share it, Ty. Yeah. I'm really glad that I can share it. You know, my wife's got a, a picture on her phone. She took a picture of me on that horse in the middle of the second buck. She's, she got a picture because we're taking a picture for the client, we thought. She snapped a picture. I am so grateful that her story isn't, here's the picture of my dead husband yeah. right before he died. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful. She's not saying, well, he died doing what he loved to do here. I have a picture of it. Oh my gosh, dude. I can't. Oh yeah. But I, you know, that picture is uh, very near and dear to me. And I, I, I keep it. I keep it's, it's, it's great to check back in. Yeah. It's great for me to look at that picture and go, I am so grateful that I can talk about that picture on this side. West. I think we've had some, some good chats here today, my friend. Mm. And, um, you know, at, at the end of these guest episodes, I always like to ask if you have advice to, you know, the guests to give advice to other people going down this, this journey of life, dealing with horsemanship, mulemanship, all these things. You've already given some, <laughs> We could just call it now. You, you've given some spectacular mm. advice. Your story is, is just brilliant. Uh, I love everything you said. But is there anything else, Wes, that you would like to tell these people listening today that are going through life, going through the horsemanship, mulemanship journey? Um, you got any, anything you want to say to them? Yeah. When we're in the struggle, when we feel the confusion, we maybe feel the doubt. We don't know if what we're doing is the right thing or the wrong thing or the good thing or the bad thing, but we just find ourselves in that struggle. If we can just pause right there and just take a big breath and just feel what that feels like, you're right where you're supposed to be. This is what learning feels like. This is what transformation feels like. This is how we change beliefs. This is how we change lives. We have to be in that struggle, Ty. We, we, us humans want to avoid it, right? We want things to be easy and convenient and quick and like right now. The one thing I've really learned and we've just got to embrace when we're in that struggle, when we're in that yucky spot, we're supposed to be there. There's something to learn. Embrace it. Be with it. Allow it. And that kind of, in a sense, disarms it and gives you some space to just to really learn and absorb and pick up something. But when we're trying to get out of it, when we're, we're working really hard to avoid the struggle, we're avoiding some learning. We're avoiding some insight. So, yeah, do the hard thing. 
be okay in the hard thing. I guess that's, that's what I'd say. Man, I love it. I love it. That is, that is good stuff. Good stuff. Mm. Gosh, Ty, that's, that was a good little memory ride for me right there. That was, whew. My heart's yeah. beating. I, I, you probably hear my voice. I can, I can feel it. In my body. I'm, I am zinging. Like I'm, I'm gonna breathe here for a minute. And, you know, wow. it, it's good to do the tough things. You know, I was telling you about this master class deal I'm doing with all these students, right? It, it's winter time. Well, not for you. You know, you're hanging out yeah. there in Southern Utah. But the rest <laughs> of us, we're freezing our butts off. You know, and uh, a lot of these students, I mean, they're from everywhere, man. They're from up yeah. way up north. They're Heck they're yeah. sending me pictures of negative 23 degrees in Montana. Out doing the work. Out doing the work. They're doing it. Yeah. They're doing the tough thing. They're, yep. they're, they're slogging, you know, in the east, they're slogging through the mud, whatever. You know, just getting out there and doing the tough thing in the, in just the elements, you know, or, or whatever that is. I think that's an incredible message. Do the tough thing. You know, I, I tell them this, do the tough thing. When you're done doing the tough, tough thing, you're not going to regret it. Yeah. You, right. you don't ever get done doing the tough thing. Man, I wish I wouldn't have, wish I wouldn't have got that done. I wish I, I really wish I wouldn't have went out and, and worked my mule and my horse made progress today. It was just because yeah. it was cold. Nobody yeah. says that. They forget about the cold. They just remember the, the work that they got done, the things they did, the accomplishments they made. So heck of a we message. We remember the things that are uncomfortable, the things that are just super easy and they don't really cause much of a uptick in our awareness. That stuff comes and goes all day long. We don't even remember it. We remember the struggle. We remember the hard things. That's the Heck things yeah. we tell stories about. Do the tough thing. Heck yeah, man. Um, before we sign off, uh, you got a lot of awesome educational things going on for people. People can get a lot of help from you both themselves, their horses. Tell us yeah. a little bit about what you got going on and then also tell them where they can find out more information about your programs and all your offerings, West. For sure, man. And thank you for giving giving me a minute. I, a new thing that I'm kind of taking into my my field right now is uh, this this personal kind of coaching and, and doing retreats. So we do retreats at the ranch during the during the season when it's warm. Love to have people come out and you know we we work with the horses a little bit. We do ranch stuff, but we're really digging into the person. You know, what's your story? And that's a lot of what I'm kind of teaching is what story are you telling? Because our stories is what creates our reality. You know, that hospital experience proved that to me beyond any shadow of a doubt. Science will even back that up that, you know, what we think about comes about. It's a simple phrase, but it really creates our reality. You know, the stories we tell create our relationships. They create our reality. So uh, we do, we've got some coaching. We do that online. We do retreats and uh, man, I just, I'm really enjoying the human element that that's my new space. I've, I'm really moving more into the human element and I use horses to teach. So some of our coaching, some of my coaching clients aren't horse people at all. You know, they're just people, people trying to be a better person. And then uh, I take some of our lessons out into the round pen and I have me and the horse teach the person about themselves. You know, so I, I have the Mustang teach them about them. And it's such a wonderful way to learn. I'm really enjoying that. So that's that's new that we're doing this year. Uh, but people can find me. You know, heck, the, the, the cops and the bells bondsmen can always find me. So you can just Google me. You you can find me. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm around. But uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, my website is westtaylor.net, and my name is West, like the direction W E S T. Uh, 
but gosh, and I, I love chatting with people. So if anybody's interested in working with me on any scope, whether it's with their horse or with themselves, I really like to set up and just have some conversations. So I don't have a lot of offerings online. You kind of look at and just go click and buy. I want to, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you and then just see if we're a good fit. You know, let's talk this out, see if we want to work together. I'm really taking it on a more of a personal, personal connection is, is really what I'm wanting to, to build and work with. Perfect. Perfect. So you can find them social media, Facebook, look on the website, westtaylor.net. And uh, you guys, I'm telling you, this is a good, good man. Um, his wife is even cooler than he is. So, <laughs> I agree. I, I totally mean, agree. Wes is all right, but Cammy's really great. So <laughs> you got to meet her. But uh, hey, Wes, my friend, this has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, I think uh, I got a lot more stuff that I want to talk to you about. We might have to do another round of this in the future. Okay. I'm good. I'm in. But thank you so much. So, hey, uh, all of you listeners out there, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to to Wes and I today. It's been a pleasure to be able to chat together and and we'd love to hear your feedback you can leave us a review uh spe specifically on apple Podcasts. uh give us five stars if you think we deserve it um if you don't listen on apple it's all right you can send me an email let me know what you think of the show and i'll pass the i'll pass the, the comments on to mr west here uh email is ty at tsmules.com thank you so much you guys god bless you and we'll see you down the road mm -hmm.